Hey everyone, it's Pastor Jacob. Hope this message gives you encouragement, perspective, and revelation from God to give to others. Also, don't forget to follow us on our Instagram page, Fusion Student Media, and also follow me on Instagram, at Jacob underscore Malasa underscore. We hope you enjoy the message. We're in week two of the series, Custom Christ, and like I said last week, uh, Danny did a really good job preaching um, on perspective, because... Perspective is everything, right? It's everything. Like example, thinking that you're better, that's a perspective. Being better is a perspective. And what I mean by that is being better is not just something in the physical appearance, but it's also in in your emotional and mental place. And what I mean by that is that people can have, we can think being better is having the best house, or being better is having the coolest drip. Or being the best, or being better is showing everyone that you have it all together. But being better, that's a, that's the wrong perspective to have because if you have that perspective, then you're caught into the deception of that's gonna be better for me. But in reality, even though they have a nice house, what goes on inside that house is what matters. And like I said, it's a perspective. So for example, oh, I love helping these people. I love, I love being a servant. That's great. That's a great perspective to have. But it gets to the point where if you are being used and they know that you're a yes man or a yes woman, then that, that brings it into the place of they can manipulate you. They can use you for what they need to do. And so that's a perspective. You can have a perspective of I want to help these people, but then you can also have a perspective of don't get taken advantage of. That's what Danny was talking about last week is that our perspective of God has changed and so now you have to get it back by what he has talked about in his word. So it was a good sermon last week. I had a lot written down for that. But but this week I'm going to be talking duh. Okay. We're going to be talking about today your walk with God. <laughs> okay, don't worry about it. Um, but I'm going to be talking about your walk with God this morning. I'm going to read a passage of scripture and then I'm going to give you my title and then we'll we'll pray. Um, Jonah chapter one, verses one through three is going to be the main thing I want to say today. The word of the Lord came to Jonah, son of Almighty, And he said, go into the city, go to the great city of Nineveh and preach against it because its wickedness has come up before me. Verse three, but Jonah ran away from the Lord and headed back for Tarshish. He went down to Joppa where he found a ship bound for that port after paying the fare he went aboard and sailed for Tarshish to flee from the Lord. What a great concept to know that he's walking in God's will. He's doing all this stuff, but when the walk gets uncomfortable, he turns the other way. And that's what I want to talk about today. I don't want to just talk about a walk that you've made, but maybe you've been walking in God's walk for a while, and now, now that you don't feel like it's what you expected, you walk the other way. And so the title of my message is Custom Navigations. Custom navigations. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you. Father, I ask that your Holy Spirit speaks through me. Holy Spirit, let the tongues of fire speak upon me on my lips. Lord, I pray that I speak with clarity. Father, I speak with understanding and practical things, Lord, so they can understand about the walk that they need to have with you. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Um, Raise your hand if you've set goals in your life. Like you have a set goal, kind of. And, and that's okay because some of us don't know what to do with our, 
our, our future. Like that was me at the age of 14. I was like, like when you hit 14, I don't know if this has happened to you, but when I hit 14, every adult, grandma, grandpa, mom, dad, aunt, uncle kept asking me, what you want to do with your life, young boy? What you want to do with your life? And I'm just like, oh, I don't know. I don't know what to do with my life. I had no idea because it, there's so much pressure because people want you to be successful, but what do you, you want to do with your success in your life? And so one of the biggest dreams I had was being a football player. And the reason being was because um, I used to go to UL, the UL games all the time because my dad works for, uh, for the team. You know, the, you know how when they have to measure the first down, they have the guys that measure it and stuff like that? So that's what my dad was. He was like the chain man or whatever. And I would, he would give me access as a kid. So it, the, the tickets were so cheap. So we used to go to UL games all the time as a kid. And I've, I, I can tell you right now, I've never missed a home. There was one season that I never missed a home game. I went to it all the time. I loved football. I, I breathed, eat, slept football as a young kid. And, um, and well, we haven't gone to a lot now because of I had a job. I went to Bible college. Now I'm a, your preacher. And so I can't really, you know, go to the games anymore. And because of the pandemic, I don't know if they're going to let people in the, the UL games. I don't even know if they're – anyways. So that's what – that's what I wanted to do at the age of 14. But the door was never opened. There were high school teams out there, like homeschool high school teams. Homeschoolers. No one's homeschooled in here. I want to see those hands. Don't be ashamed of who you are. They can't make fun of you. <laughs> no, they can't. <laughs> oh, <laughs> they can make fun of you. Um, <laughs> listen, you can, you can flex on them. Just talk about veggie tails, bro. They, you can flex on them, bro. Has anyone watched VeggieTales before? Yeah. <laughs> so anyways, um, so there was a bunch of high school football teams open for, for even not just homeschoolers, but like private schools and stuff like that. So I had, there were opportunities kind of opened, but at the same time, what sucked was, was that I was like, mom, I really want to play football. There were two things that happened. My mom was scared that I was going to get hurt. Wouldn't your mom, like your parents would probably get scared if you played football and then you break your tibia or something. I'm, I'm just making that up. And you break, like you tell, like, I, like what, what is the one of the worst injuries? Like tearing an ACL? Is that one of like the worst injuries? So like, so like that's what she was afraid of. She was like, you're going to tear something in your body and then we won't be able to pay for it or whatever. Cause we were going through a little financial crisis and she was a bit nervous about that. But then at the same time, football at that time, when my dad was working, it was a bit expensive. And so I decided that, okay, I'm just not going to do it. So it was kind of a closed door in a way. But then now I'm 15, and I went to a youth retreat here, and God called me to ministry. God called me to preach. A year later, I got so mad at God for this. And, and by the way, it's okay to be mad at God because we think that we got to be like, oh, holy thou before. God wants you to be honest. God wants you to be honest with your prayers. And so I was upset because... After I had got called to preach, every it's like the floodgates of football just opened. And I can just walk through and just start playing football. Like, I was being asked by the ACA team to play football at 17. I was being asked by a couple of people. Like, it was open. My dad was making a ton of money. We were able to, I was able to do it. But God had me in a desire to preach. And I got so mad. I said, God, why would you close that door, call me to ministry, but then open the doors again? Like, are you trying to make me jealous or something? 
Is this a test? Like, come on. Like, I was upset with God. But I realized that sometimes my walk is not His walk. Sometimes I realize that His perfect plan for my life is not my perfect plan for my life. And trust me, some people are called to play football. <laughs> Look at Tim Tebow. <laughs> he was called to play football. And he's doing great now. He's doing a bunch of conferences and stuff like that. So he's kind of getting somewhere with that. But, oh, awkward. Just pick up your phone. Just pick up your phone. Okay, you're good. All right. So I was upset because I didn't get to do what I wanted. And I wasn't as comfortable with this. Like, I still get uncomfortable. I still have this anxiety to preach. still have all that stuff. But God was teaching me to realize that I know what you need more than what you want. And that's what I want to take you through. I'm going to take, so this is, that's why I told you all to bring those Bibles, because this is going to be a bit of a Bible study in a way. Because I'm taking you through all of the book of Jonah. All of the book of Jonah. So just to recap the first piece, because I have three things I want to tell you about when you walk away from God, when you walk away from the walk that he has for you. These are three things that I think will help you understand why he does what he does when we walk away. And so a little bit of a background check. Jonah was an extreme prophet. He wasn't just some baby Christian. This dude was God's homeboy. He spoke facts upon cities, nations, regions. When God told him to preach to a certain nation, he went. God would say, hey, preach this certain type of message to whatever, and he would go do it. He would go there and do it. But it was until God called him to preach against something rather than for something. And when in verse 2, he says, put up verse 2 for me, go to the great city of Nineveh and preach against it. See, it's easy to preach for something, but it's a lot nerve-wracking to preach against something. Because Nineveh was a sinful city, and Jonah was being called to preach against it. Never done that before. Like, he's never preached against the city before. He's always had to preach the good news. He's preached a good word, like God's going to bless you and all that stuff. But he had to preach against them, and he had to tell them that the Lord in 40 days would ruin the city. And that's when in verse we, verse 3, verse we, verse 3, he says, But Jonah ran away from the Lord and headed for Tarshish. And he sailed, he went to Joppa to get a ship bound. And so he was walking away from the Lord's walk. And I wonder if we do that sometimes where we like to do the things that we think is great, but then God has something better. Because there's a difference between something that's great and something that's better. And that's, and that's when I talked about being better as a perspective. Like, like having a house, having clothes, having cars and all that stuff, that's great. But it's not better. It doesn't make me feel better. It doesn't make me seem in, on the inside better. And so that's what Jesus is, that's what God's telling Jonah. He has to preach against something that looks great on the outside, but it's not better on the inside. So verse 4, Then the Lord sent a great wind on the sea. This was when Jonah was on the boat. Then the Lord sent a great wind on the sea, and such a violent storm arose that the ship threatened to break up. All the sailors were afraid, and each cried out to his own God. And they threw the cargo into the sea to lighten the ship. So what the sailors were doing was they were afraid that something was wrong, something that they'd done had sinned, someone had sinned against their God. And so they would throw cargo or, or repent so that they would understand that their God can forgive them for whatever they had done because they didn't know. And so moving on to verse 6, the captain went up to him. Oh, no, no, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Go back to verse 5. But Jonah 
had gone down below deck, where he laid down and fell into a deep sleep. Verse 6, the captain went to him and said, how can you sleep? Get up and call on your God. Maybe he will take notice of us so that we will not perish. Verse 7, then the sailors said to each other, come, let us cast lots and find out who is responsible for this calamity. They cast lots and the lot fell on Jonah. So Jonah had not thrown anything out of the lots. It was everyone threw all their stuff out, but it wasn't Jonah. And that was the cool thing. It spoke to me and it said, like, there are some people in your life that are going to understand that something's wrong and you don't even have to tell them. You don't even have to tell them that something is wrong. They just know. Have you ever had someone like that? Like, like you don't even say anything, but you know something's wrong. But when someone says, hey, like, what's, what's going on? You don't seem yourself. You don't say anything, but they know something's wrong with you. Have you ever had that? Like, have you ever had that type of person that's just like, yo, something's wrong, but you don't show anything. Like, you, like you try to make it a secret, but someone felt in a way that you were in trouble. And that's what these sailors felt to Jonah. Uh... Verse 8, so they asked him, tell us, who is responsible for all of this trouble? What kind of work do you do? Where do you come from? What is your country? What is your country? From what people are you? And he answered, I'm Hebrew. And I worship the Lord, the God of heaven, and made the sea and the dry land. This terrified them, and they asked him, what have you done? For they knew he was running away from the Lord because he had already told them so. So they knew something was wrong with Jonah. The sea was getting rougher and rougher. Verse 11. The sea was getting rougher and rougher. So they asked him, what should we do to make the sea calm down for us? Verse 12. Jonah said, pick me up and throw me into the sea, he replied. And it will become calm. I know that it is my fault that this great storm has come upon you. And that's where my first point comes in. My first thing I want to talk about when we walk away from God is expect resistance. Expect resistance. And what I mean by that is not in a bad way because we think, oh, God's not going to let us go. God's controlling and all that stuff. No, God, when God resists, he does it because he loves you. And I'm going to tell you why. Jonah wasn't, like I said, he wasn't some baby Christian. He was a prophet. God spoke through him and he obeyed everything God did. And so when Jonah walked away, God loved him so much to tell him, like, listen, I don't want you to walk away from this because I know that you're benefiting from this walk. I understand that you're learning and growing from this walk. And so when he walked away, God resisted that. It's like, it's like, it's like when, when your parents love you a lot, but then you walk away from them and you're kind of upset with them and like you don't want to talk to them. Like, for, especially for my parents, expect resistance from them because they, they don't want you to feel the way you feel all the time. They got to be your parents, obviously. But at the same time, they don't want you to go down a path that you will regret following in the future. That's the way God works, is that Jonah had walked away, but at the same time, God was like, I can't let you go like that. Because that's how grace works. That's how God's grace works. He hold, When you are caught in God's grace, you can't fall away from it. God's calling you back to his walk. And that's what Jonah was experiencing. The winds. He was trying to go to Tarshish. Like, like it says in, in, uh, I think in verse 13, verse 13. Instead, the men did their best to row back to the land, but they could not. The, the sea grew even wilder than before. So they were still trying to go to Tarshish and God raised the waves. God raised the current because he was resisting what Jonah was trying to get away from. But he didn't do it out of a controlling heart. He did it out of a caring heart because he knew if he went to Tarshish, 
that he wouldn't benefit from those places, that he had to continue to go to Nineveh and preach against the nation. And that's what God's telling, I believe God's telling you guys right now, is that you as a young individual, you have a long life ahead of you. No matter if Jesus comes back tomorrow or in the next 30 years or whatever, you still have a long walk ahead of you. And so what that means is that God wants you to be on the right track in the right time for the right purpose. He wants you on that track. So when you see resistance, don't be afraid that it's resistance because God's calling you back. He's not doing it because he controls you. He's doing it because he loves you. He wants you to be on the right track. He wants you to be in the right motives. He wants you to be in his walk. And so that's why he resisted Jonah, because he knew Jonah would thrive and have his purpose in Nineveh rather than try and go to Tarshish. Another thing I had read was Tarshish was miles and miles away from where he was compared to Nineveh. So he was willing to go miles rather than just go a few to Nineveh. And sometimes it's like that sometimes when we try to walk away from God, it's a lot more difficult to walk away than just go where he tells us to go. And that's what happens. That's what happens in our life. And so, verse 14, then, the, then, then they cried out to the Lord, Please, Lord, do not let us die for taking this man's life. Do not hold us accountable for killing an innocent man. For you, Lord, have done as you pleased. Verse 15, then they took Jonah and threw him overboard, and the raging sea grew calm. At this time, at this, the men greatly feared the Lord. And they offered a sacrifice uh, to the Lord to, and made vows to him. So Jonah realized that he was resisting God's walk, so he got resistance back. And that's what I want God, I think that's what God's trying to tell you all today is, is that he's not doing it out of a resistance of feeling like he wants to control you, but he does it because he knows what's best for you. He knows your life. He knows everything that you do. Like, like even the thoughts you have, like, we have some thoughts. We have some things that might not, thoughts not about, might be of God, but we have thoughts. Doesn't God see that too? God sees your mind. God sees, because he, you know what? He made that. He made your mind. He made your thoughts. And so when you have thoughts of things that, that aren't as godly, God knows that. But does he continue to love you anyways? Yeah. Does he still continue to pour into you? Yeah. Is he still trying to use people in your life to encourage you and speak to you? Yeah. All that stuff. Shut up. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, no, I lost my thought, Matthew. Be quiet over there. Gosh, dang it. But, but like I said, God is willing to do those things for you because he loves you, because he cares about you. He has the best interest for you. And if you don't see that, if you don't see the flags that come around that, then you miss that opportunity. Uh, chapter 2. Now he's, oh, well, let me start at the end. Verse 17 in, cha in chapter 1, verse 17. Now the Lord provided a huge fish, big old whale, a huge fish to swallow Jonah. And Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. I'm about to make y'all do something y'all might not like. But I want y'all to close y'all's eyes for a second and, and just, just sit down and close your eyes. So imagine, close your eyes, Jaden. <laughs> close y'all's eyes. Imagine right now it's dark. All of a sudden, we'll take it to 2020. You have like a lighter or something like that, or maybe you have your iPhone flashlight. And you start looking around, 
And basically you're standing or you're sitting on some type of like <laughs> some saliva type of platform, like a tongue or something. Come on, I'm making y'all think. So you're sitting there and you're like, where am I? It smells like a garbage can full of wet socks, like whatever. Think of something, the most disgusting thing. That's what it smells like in there. And so he's in the whale. You're in the whale. And now you're by yourself in the whale. Y'all, y'all don't go too crazy with y'all's thoughts. I, right? you're in a whale. <laughs> you're in a whale. All right. You can open your eyes now. How did that feel? Kind of weird, right? You were in a whale. <laughs> huh? Oh, the whale. But so that's where Jonah was. Jonah was now in a whale, but I believe God had to separate Jonah from what was going on because Jonah wasn't going to listen to God while he was running away from him. He had to send that current. He had to send resistance because Jonah wasn't going to listen to him in the first place. God does stuff and interrupts stuff in your life because he wants to get your attention. He wants to get your honest attention towards him. That's why the distractions in your life will never go away because you don't give attention to what God's trying to speak. Because there, there is, things are crazy right now. So many distractions, so many things that are happening right now. And it's hard to get close with God when things are going hectic, when you're constantly feeding yourself with the things that are going around in this world. And so that's what God had to do. He had to send a current he had to put him in a fish to get his attention. If God ever does that to one of y'all, I'm, I'm going to laugh. But, <laughs> Jaden, Jaden, you're going to be in a whale. But, <laughs> but, but God had to get him away from all the distractions so that he can speak to him. Y'all get that? He had to put himself in a whale to speak to him. Look to your neighbor and say, I'm in the belly. Speak a little bit louder. I'm in the belly. Look to your other neighbor and say, in a whale. Now just speak with me and say, ooh, yes. All right, so he's in, he's in the belly of a whale. It's probably, it's probably making sounds, all that stuff. He's probably freaking out. He's, probably, he's like, I'm about to, about to get flushed. <laughs> he's freaking out. But God meets him in chapter 2, verse 1. From the inside of the fish, Jonah prayed to the Lord his God. And he said this. And this is the thing, he's alone with him now. He's not distracted by the, his friends around him. He's not distracted by the things that are worrying him. He's with God right now. And he says in verse 1, In my distress, I called to you, Lord. I called to the Lord, and he answered me. From the deep in the realm of the dead, I called for help, and you listened to my cry. You hurled me into the depths, into the very heart of the seas, and the currents swirled about me. All your waves and breakers swept over me. And I said, I have been banished from your sight. Yet I will look again. Yet I will look again. God was showing him that even though you don't like this walk, and this is where I get to my second point. Remember what God has walked you through. Remember the things that God has walked you through. And that's what Jonah is remembering in this moment. He's saying, in my distress, I called to you and you answered me. He's remembering something. Because sometimes we can get so lost in our life right now that we forget what God's already done. And so when that happens, that causes a shift. That causes a shift in our lives where we think, oh, God's gone, God's distant. But where was? But God was already there with you from before. Why wouldn't he be there with you again? 
you have to realize that God's not distant. You just moved. You just moved. You can think of the transformation that you probably had in your life as a teenager, and now things have changed because you made the effort, because you got your time with God. That's what happens. And that's what Jonah was realizing. He said, I remember. I remember what you did. Come on. I remember the things that you had done in my life. I remember you got me out of that drought. I remember when I was depressed. I remember when I was lonely. I remember when my heart was broken. I remember all of that. But you walked me through it anyways. How many of us can say we can remember the times that we felt that God was there when we were alone? How many times can you say that God has been with you even when you were in your darkest moment, you felt something there? There was something like you felt like you were alone, but you weren't all the way alone. That's God. God's in that midst. And that's what he's trying to remember, tell Jonah. Because Jonah's so afraid of what's going to happen that he forgets what God has already done. If God got you through depression, he can get you through loneliness. If he got you through lust, he can get you through a relationship. If he's gotten you through these things, why wouldn't he do it again? If he's done it before, it's hard though. It's hard. Some of us maybe aren't free from that. Maybe some of us do struggle with lust. Some of, some of us do struggle with depression. Some of us do struggle with those things. But God is willing to be with you even in the midst of that. Why? Because of his love, because of his mercy, because of his grace for you. He's there with you. I want to move to verse 5. The engulfing waters threatened me. The deep surrounded me. Seaweed was wrapped around my head. To the roots of the mountains I sank down. The earth beneath buried me in forever. But you, Lord my God, have brought me up from the pit. When my life was ebbing away, I remember you, Lord. And the, my prayer rose to you in the temple. And this is where Jonah came to the assessment of, I remember what you've done. I remember what you've gotten me through. Because here's the thing. When God pushes you through those things and he helps you remember, there's more peace to it. There's more peace towards that. Because guess what? Even in your life, it's hard. Even in your walk by yourself is hard. Even when you go through things with friends, relationships, family issues, all that stuff, that stuff is going to happen. But it, God is wanting you to say, what are you going to do with it? What are you going to do with that, with that hurt? What are you going to do with that disappointment? What are you going to do with those dysfunctions? What are you going to do with it? And so Jonah was finally remembering, ah, you got me out of that one time. You got me out of that one time. You got me through that hurt one time. You did do that. And even though you might not feel like it did happen, it did. God did get you out of that. And so I want to encourage you with this, is that if you can remember what God's gone you through, you can get confident in what he's about to get you through now. If you can remember that. In verse 10, after, after Jonah, well, no, I'm sorry, verse 8. Those who cling to worthless idols and turn away from God's love for them, but I, with shouts of grateful praise, will sacrifice to you what I have vowed, I will make good. And I will say, salvation comes from the Lord. Verse 10, and the Lord commanded the fish and it vomited Jonah onto dry land. He realized that what he did was he walked away. 
but he remembered what God had done and now he's back on track. God wants to get you, God wants you to reroute. You know how you miss, like, how many of y'all drive? How many of y'all drive? Permit? You drive with your parents? Don't be ashamed. I had to do that even when, it's embarrassing, but I had to do that when I, when I was 18 because I had never driven before. And, and I drive now two years. Never had a wreck. Ha-ha. <laughs> okay. So, so it's like, you know how when you put on a GPS and you miss it, it always reroutes you to that same thing? That's what God did to Jonah. Jonah was going down a wrong route, so he had to reroute him back. Whether it was through a fish or being kidnapped, whatever. I'm glad he chose a fish because that was kind of funny. If you read Jonah, I thought that was hilarious. But he had to use something to reroute Jonah back to the walk that he had for him. He had to do that. He had to bring him back. And so that's what God wants to do with you guys if you've walked away in that. Now, I believe y'all are doing well. Y'all came... You came to the youth, you came to youth life, you came to church, you came to hear the word, you came to worship. Like that's good. But what are you going to do tomorrow? What are you going to do Tuesday? What are you going to do Wednesday? What are you going to do Thursday? What are you going to do during your week? What are you going to do Saturday before you come here Sunday? What are you going to do? What is your life looking like outside of church? I'm bringing it real on y'all. <laughs> but what are you going to do after church? What is your life after service? And that's what God is showing Jonah is that you've lost the route. Let me reroute you back to where you need to go. So remember, expect resistance. That's the first thing. Second thing is remember what God has walked you through. And I'm about to get into chapter four, and that will create my final point. I'll close with this. Actually, no, in ver- uh, chapter three, I'm sorry. Chapter three, verse one. The word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time. Go into the great city of Nineveh and proclaim the message I will give you. Verse 3, Jonah obeyed. Jonah's on the right track. The word of the Lord went to Nineveh. Now, Nineveh was a very large city. It took three days to go through it. That's a long time. Jonah began by going a day's journey into the city, proclaiming for for 40 40 more days and Nineveh will be overthrown. So Jonah, God told Jonah to say, yo, y'all going to die in 40 days. Be prepared. And so verse 5 says, the Ninevites believed God. A fast was proclaimed. And all of them, from the greatest to the least, put on sackcloth. It was a whole tradition that they did in biblical times. It was crazy. It was sick. Verse 6, when uh, when Jonah's warning reached the king of Nineveh, the ruler of the whole city, he rose from his throne, took his robe off, covered himself in the sackcloth, and sat in dust. And this proclamation he issued to Nineveh. He said, don't let people, or animals, herds or flocks, taste anything. So he was calling them to a fast to change because there was evilness in the city. So they wanted to change. But Jonah thought that they were going to be destroyed either way. Jump to verse 10. After they talked about this, verse 10, when God saw what they did and how they turned from their evil ways, he relented and did not bring on them the destruction he had threatened. So Jonah's thinking, I got to go and tell them they're going to die no matter what because y'all trash, y'all going to hell, all this stuff. But once they changed their ways and fasted and did all this stuff, God completely flipped it and said, I'm not going to kill the city because they changed. And that's where f- verse 4 comes in. I mean, uh, jump to chapter 4, verse 1. This is where Jonah is angry with God. He was angry with God because God told him one thing, but he did another. He said he was going to destroy the city, but now he gave it mercy. 
Verse 1, but Jonah had seemed very wrong and he became angry. He prayed to the Lord, isn't this what you said, Lord? When I was still at home, that is what I tried to forestall, 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 by fleeing to Tarshish. By fleeing to Tarshish, I knew that you are a gracious and compassionate God, slow to anger and abounding in love, da 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 a God who relents in sending. Verse 3, now Lord, take my life away, for it is better for me to die than to live. He was so upset that he wanted to die because he felt like God put him through an emotional roller coaster through his walk. But God had to make him realize this, and I'm going to get to it. Verse, Jump to verse 6. Well, no, verse 5. Jonah had gone out and sat down in a place in the city, the east of the city. There he made himself a shelter, sat in its shade, and waited to see what would happen to the city. Verse 6. Then the Lord God provided a leafy plant that made it grow over Jonah to give shade over his head to ease his discomfort. And Jonah was very happy about the plant. But at dawn the next day, God provided a worm which chewed the plant and it withered. So Jonah was vibing. He had a plant over his head. He was fine. His discomfort was gone. All of a sudden, God sends a worm and chews it up. Like, really, God? I'm exhausted. I'm tired. And you send that. And now I got no comfort, no shade. He's probably now extra mad, extra upset. He probably want to fight God right now. But now he's upset to the point where it's like, God, you've done all this stuff, and now I'm even more angry. Why? He wanted to die again. But verse 9, Jonah, God said to Jonah, Is it right for you to be angry about the plant? It is, he said. I'm so angry, I wish I were dead. Verse 10, But the Lord said, You have been concerned about this plant, though you did not tend it or make it grow. It sprang up overnight and died overnight. Verse 11, And should I not have concern of the great city of Nineveh, in which there are more than 120,000 of people who cannot tell their right hand from their left, and also the many animals. What God is speaking right here and showing Jonah the illustration of is that you don't know what I'm going to do. You don't know how I'm going to handle it. You just got to go by what I've said, and that's my third point. Trust God's walk. Trust God's walk. When he was upset that God didn't keep his word, as he said he would, he would destroy the city in 40 days. When they were, when they were repentant and they were shameful and they wanted to change, God, God did it. God had compassion over them. And this was in the Old Testament. The grace of God, the gospel of Jesus wasn't proclaimed until later. So in the Old Testament, God's showing compassion that he's never done before. He's doing something for Jonah that's never been happened before. And Jonah's upset that all this stuff had happened and then all of a sudden now it's fine. But God had to show him an illustration of, you don't know what the outcome is like. You don't know what's going to happen at the end of this road. One piece in the Bible, Jesus said, pray to the Lord of the harvest. And I just talked about, I just thought it was just about prayer, just about praying. But I realized if you look at the word harvest, it means result. It means outcome. If God is the Lord of the harvest, that means he's the Lord of the outcome. What happens at the end? I don't know what happens at the end. I don't know y'all's life from beginning to end. I don't know how long God's going to keep me in this position from beginning to end. I don't know. Even though he's the Lord of the harvest, we are the people of the seed, which means I, God is the God of the outcome, and we have to process it because we can't control it. We can't control what God does because God can't be manipulated. God needs to do what he needs to do in your life. And so when he says trust his walk, no matter if it makes sense or not, you got to trust him because he knows what he's doing. God knows what he's doing. 
And so if you trust his walk, you won't be like Jonah thinking, wow, God, why would you do that? Why would you put me in that position? That's what Jonah was helping him realize. And so I hope you understand that when you walk away from God and you do all this stuff, expect him to resist because he wants you to go down a path that benefits your heart, that benefits your walk. The second one was remember what God had already walked you through. Remember the things that you dealt with as a, as still as a teenager and how he's been with you through it all. And then the final thing, you might get upset at the outcome, but you still got to trust God because he knows what he's doing. He knows this is going to make you grow. He knows this is going to make you a better person. He knows what this does to you. So you have to expect the resistance. Remember what he's gotten you through and trust his walk. Trust his walk. Every head bowed and every high closed. I'm going to end with this. You can turn off the lights, uh, Colin. Thank you, buddy. I want to take this moment, just a prayer moment, just to pray for the people in here who, who have struggled with a custom walk. You try to go your own way, but you feel like it's not. there's no benefit. It's not working. I feel like I'm not getting anywhere. And you're thinking, God probably has a better walk than me. He probably has something better for me. And so I want to give you this moment. I just want to give this time to prayer. And in your own words, like pray, pray to the Lord. Lord, what is your walk for my life? You won't know God's walk unless you pray and ask him about it. He's going to reveal it to you. You just have to have your faith driven to the point where now you can ask him, Lord, what does my life look like with you? What do you want to do in my life? So I just want to take this moment to pray. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, I ask you, Lord, to reveal your walk to these students. Father, I ask that their hearts are open to receive what you want them to walk through, what you want them to see. Lord, I ask that, Lord, even though it might seem uncom uncomfortable right now, what you want them to do, Lord, give them the desire. Lord, because we can't do it just because it's uncomfortable. But Lord, give us the desire to do it. Lord, let us understand that you have reminded us what you've walked us through. Remind us of the things that you've already brought us out of and, and now into. Father, I pray that you're giving us a greater perspective and a greater walk with you. Lord, we ask that your Holy Spirit comes and speaks to us. Lord, what do you want our walk to look like? Maybe we're called to do this. Maybe we're called to that, whatever that is. But Lord, how do you want us to walk it out? Because Lord, you're the one that's painting the picture. You're the one that's, the, the Lord of the harvest. You're the one that has the outcome, Lord. You're creating the walk and not us. So, Father, I ask that you encourage every student in here to have that mindset of that, Lord, you have full reign, and I want you to create the walk in my life. I don't want to go down a path that my that's maybe some of my friends go through. I don't want to go down that walk that social media tells me to go through. I want to go by a walk that what you want me to go through, Lord. I pray that you give every student a sensitivity to the Holy Spirit so that they can that you can speak through them, Lord, and give them the desires of their heart, the desires that you want them to have, God. And Lord, we ask all of this. We ask for your presence in their hearts. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. And amen.